On this edition of Jerusalem Dateline, what's next as Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu begins to build a coalition and form his government? Plus, we explore the connection between Jerusalem and Brazil's recent elections and the protests on the streets. And we'll look at the life and legacy of Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin with some exclusive vintage clips from interviews with CBN founder Pat Robertson. All this and more this week on Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Chris Mitchell. Benjamin Netanyahu is working to build a new government coalition as he prepares to become Israel's prime minister once again. Israel's last election gave Netanyahu and his bloc of right-wing religious parties a 64-seat majority in the 120-seat parliament. Outgoing Prime Minister Yair Lapid's coalition won just 51 seats. Netanyahu called for national unity in an address to parliament after the election. After the election campaign is over, after the dust has settled, the bickering between the camps, you have to get out of the trenches and know how to work together. The differences of opinion will not disappear, and that's okay. In several areas, we have sharp debates, which also need to be managed with responsibility and consideration. Netanyahu is expected to finalize a new governing coalition in the coming weeks after President Isaac Herzog gives him the official mandate to form a government. I spoke with political consultant Elliot P. Pritz about Israel's latest election and how it could impact ties with the U.S. Eli Prieps, uh, thanks for joining us on uh, Jerusalem Dateline. It's been just about a week after the election. Tell us, what are your main takeaways from the results? Thank you, Chris. I would say the main takeaway is, first of all, is an affirmation of Prime Minister Netanyahu's leadership. The country saw, Israel saw what leadership was like, what their government was like without him in power. And they found a government that was divisive, that was intolerant, something they wanted nothing to be a part of anymore. So the return to norm, return to traditional family values, uh, tr traditional strength and security. Those are some of the main themes uh, that you, you take away from the results? Absolutely. I mean, you look at the level of voting. Um, people voted primarily for Netanyahu at a very similar level as before. His, his, his uh, support has not been eroding. But we saw parties that were very much affiliated with traditional values. Those parties went up significantly. Um, you can look back. We had election just last year. 15% increase from last year. And you go back all the way to 2019, four years, 33% increase. That's a huge amount. Um, and that's what propelled Netanyahu into what should be a very stable, right-wing, traditional values government. A lot of the media internationally, and as I believe we were talking earlier, the Jewish media, have focused on Itamar Ben-Gavir. Yeah. How do you explain that phenomenon, and how do you explain the kind of popularity he has right now? Well, you know, Itamar Ben-Gavir is someone who is... Um, bare-knuckles politician, um, someone who is not prone to social media, someone who is, is known for what he does on the ground. We have, similar to in the U.S., where you have a lot of crime, you have the inner cities, um, a cauldron. Um, you look in Israel, and we have also quite a bit of terrorism, and people want answers. People don't want slogans. Itamar Ben-Gavir represents that. But I think more than that, what Ben-Gavir's support was is solid right-wing politics. In, the, in Israel, you typically, in a parliamentary system, you'll have a major right-wing party like Netanyahu's. Then you'll have smaller parties to the right that keeps them in check. You might think of it in the U.S. Uh, you might have a, uh, um, a Freedom Caucus on the right. You might have a Progressive uh, Caucus on the left. 
So you have these parties on the right that keep Netanyahu right-wing. That's what Ben Gavir's uh, voters wanted, not necessarily anything else that the left in the U.S. Um, and other places are trying to impose upon him. There's been some reaction in the U.S., uh, certainly for some politicians. How do you see the results affecting U.S.-Israel relations? I think, unfortunately, too much of communication between this administration, the U.S. of the Biden administration and Israel, is less about international affairs, more about domestic politics. They're trying to virtual signal to left-wing voters to say, hey, Israel, even Israel has racist intolerance. Um, and unfortunately, that I think is going to run a little hollow. Um, but that's, the, that's the, the news cycle that we're in right now. And I think that they're going to continue doing that um, to the detriment of the U.S.-Israel relationship. Are we going to see differences perhaps in the Iranian nuclear deal, U.S.-Saudi Arabian uh, relations? I think part of what we're going to be seeing in the election tonight in the U.S. Um, is a repudiation of a Biden administration that has been focused on legitimizing an Iranian regime that now we see how horrific they have been to their own people. That's not a reason why anybody is necessarily going to vote, but it is coloring the environment that we're in, this lack of leadership, um, and also this desire to engage with the worst elements to try to normalize them, try to mainstream them. Why? Because when you have a world of good and evil, that is very biblical. That's very traditional. And the left has an idea where they don't want the world to be seen in, in, in good and evil. They want to say, we could, if we just give everybody some money, we welcome them into the world of uh, League of Nations, mm -hmm. everybody can behave. That is unfortunately not the real world. We saw that in Afghanistan, we're seeing that in Iran, and in Israel, we're seeing that with the Palestinian Authority. That's not uh, acceptable, um, that's not going to work, and I think voters both in Israel and the U.S. are going to re repudiate that kind of approach. Well, Eli Pieps, uh, thanks for your in insight and analysis, and we'll see how the U.S. elections go. Thank you so much, Chris. Israelis took to the street recently to protest human rights offenses committed by the Iranian regime. Demonstrators waved the Iranian flag and held photos of Masha Amini, whose death while in the custody of Iran's morality police sparked international outcry. What began as protest against Iran's strict religious code has turned into calls for regime change. Israel is not against the Iranian people. We are against the Iranian regime. The Iranian regime that terrorized everyone, not only the, uh, the Middle East, not only Israel, but also their own people. And this is something that we need to stand with the Iranian people against that uh, awful regime, that terrorist regime. And you know what? I'm so proud of the Israeli society. Arabs and Jews here supporting the Iranian people couldn't be more prouder. Iranian forces have violently cracked down on protesters. Human rights activists say at least 270 Iranians have been killed and 14,000 people have been arrested during the demonstrations. Coming up, days after Brazil's presidential election, millions of its citizens are out in the streets demanding an audit of the votes. A CBN News exclusive examines the spiritual connection between this strategic South American country and the Jewish state.
Hey, if you're tired and exhausted all day, you can't think clearly, and you really just need a cup or even a pot of coffee to get through your day, then join me, Dr. Josh Axe, for this new series where I'm going to teach you how to transform your diet and use essential oils and supplements to get a better night's sleep. Wake up to your best life. Call 1-800-700-7000 to get your free DVD or booklet of Protect Your Sleep today. It's about the competition. I kind of put that pressure on myself, and I think people had expectations. It's about overcoming. We use this phrase all the time, keep chopping, keep practicing hard. It's about going the distance. You know, I think as a father, it's my job, you know, to lead. Just be the best husband and father I can be. Watch Going the Distance with Sean Brown Saturday night at 7.30 on the CBN News Channel. Orphan's Promise is committed to loving and serving at-risk children, to helping keep families together, and to creating opportunities for strong and sustainable communities around the world. We're working in over 60 countries around the world, and with your help, we can do even more. There's an old African proverb I love that says, if you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run together. At Orphan's Promise, we want to run far so we can touch the lives of as many orphaned and vulnerable children as possible. But we don't want to go alone. We're out to change the world, one child, one family, one community at a time. Will you join us? All eyes were on Brazil last week for the hotly contested race between Jair Bolsonaro and Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. We spoke with Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast founder Albert Vexler and the founder of Watch.org, Bill Koenig, for their thoughts on the election. Well, great to be with you, Albert Vexler, co-founder of the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast and Bill Koenig with Watch.org. So, Albert, we're here in Jerusalem. You just came back from Brazil. Uh, what, what is the connection between Israel and Brazil? Why should we be talking about this here in Jerusalem? Well, it started for us in 2018. There was a delegation from Brazil that came to Jerusalem prayer breakfast. And they had a letter that was signed by 70 congressmen. I think uh, then Jair Bolsonaro, the congressman, had signed it as well, recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And so that's why we started praying for Brazil. Michelle Bachman, our co-chair, of Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast, she led the prayer during the Founders Dinner and uh, she prayed for the elections in Brazil. Uh, soon we were there uh, celebrating Israel's 70th anniversary and uh, again I met with President-elect uh, in December, 10 days before uh, the inauguration and so now it was again the time to to go. The First Lady invited us to the palace so we stayed there for five days with her in September came back again for Yom Kippur and now for the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast Brasilia. Well, right now we're just days away from their, their election uh, and you just came back a couple of days ago. You were there for the election and afterwards, Bill, what did you sense and what was going on during the election? Well, obviously Christians wanted to see Bolsonaro elected and I've never seen a political figure have the deep faith that Michelle uh, Bolsonaro has, a, a woman of incredible faith in Jesus, loves the state of Israel, 
And that was, had such a huge impact on, on me to see it personally. And then um, this was a tough election. A lot of the patterns are similar to what we saw in the United States. But uh, uh, Brazil won Bolsonaro. He did really well, the down ballots in the lower, lower house, upper house. So there's still more to be done. But to see the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast involvement in Brazil since 2018, but then at a critical time for Brazil uh, with Albert, Michelle, and others was extraordinary. We were there, and we were able to encourage the First Lady. We were able to uh, pray with her and uh, with her team. And I think it was a very, very significant moment that uh, the Lord allowed us to be there and mm -hmm. uh, be part of this great, great uh, destiny moment of Brazil. And I had a, um, a privilege of uh, having a private breakfast with the President on September the 4th and uh, I had an opportunity to talk about Jerusalem prayer breakfast with him and and then he just stopped me he said you know I made a promise to move the embassy and then he said uh, I spoke with uh, Arab leaders uh, MBS and I asked them what do they think if uh, Brazil would move the embassy what would they think and uh, he said the answer surprised him uh, they said that um, it would be the internal uh, issue of Brazil. They would not uh, object. And so uh, um, I think that it would be very important for the president to make uh, good his promise of moving the embassy. And um, I believe that uh, it's not over. I believe that we should all pray. I mm -hmm. think that our viewers would need to pray for Brazil as they pray for Jerusalem. Because standing up with Israel like uh, Bolsonaro and uh, his team have been doing so far, is so important for the future. Mm. So how can people be praying for, for Brazil right now? I believe that uh, justice and the truth would come out, that uh, if there's been fraud, that it would be exposed, and that these uh, processes would be transparent, that people would gain trust again in the in the democratic processes uh, taking place in Brazil and elsewhere in the world. Albert, Bill, would you lead us in prayer? Well, I think, Bill, you are much better in that. You did it in the beginning, so let's go on with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be with Chris today. And Albert and I greatly appreciate it after being in the land and being there to watch just took place in Brazil and to seeing a first lady that had such incredible, incredible love for you, Yeshua and the state of Israel. So Lord, so many people across the country were praying for President Bolsonaro. And we just pray that your plan, your perfect will, will happen in Brazil for your glory, for your purpose at this moment, for Jesus' glory, for Jesus, and all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Up next, Israel remembers the life and legacy of Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, on the 27th anniversary of his assassination. I am Regent's first ROTC graduate.
I'm Ephraim Graham, and this is Studio 5. Cruise with me as I discover the good things happening in the world of music, sports, television, and movies. The fact that Ryan Coogler was going to be directing the film, I knew that something special was going to happen. We'll chat with artists at the forefront of entertainment and explore the connection between popular culture and faith. I asked my pastor, I said, well, does that mean I'm supposed to be a preacher? He says, well, no, you already have a pulpit. Wednesday night at 8.30 on the CBN News Channel. How would you like to get a redo on your health, on your body, on your arteries, so you could have the energy you had 20 years ago? The great news is you can. I'm Dr. Mike Roizen, chair of the Wellness Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. I've written four New York Times bestsellers. But even better than having to read all that, you can listen to this DVD and watch it. Protect your heart? Yes, you can. Here's how. Go to CBN.com or call 1-800-700-7000 for your free copy of Protect Your Heart. Let the medical experts show you their new discoveries on how to avoid heart disease and even reverse it. Easy steps to uncover the hidden dangers in your medicine cabinet, reduce stress, and get a complete do-over for your health. Call 1-800-700-7000. That's 1-800-700-7000. Or go to CBN.com to claim your free copy of Protect Your Heart. This week, Israel remembered the assassination of Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin at the hands of a Jewish, extrem Jewish extremist in 1995. Here's a look at Rabin's legacy and how it's still being felt in Israel today. Saturday evening, November 4th, 1995, Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin had just sung Shir La Shalom, the song for peace, along with some 100,000 Israelis in Tel Aviv. He was a man of the left who was respected on the right. He was a man who was cautious, who made bold decisions. Shortly afterward, a Jewish extremist gunned down the prime minister. It was not just a political assassination. It was the murder of a hero and a grandfather. Rabin is buried here in Mount Herzl Cemetery in Jerusalem. Many Israelis come here to honor his legacy. His murder stunned the nation and the world. Leaders from some 40 countries travel here to Jerusalem for Rabin's funeral. Though we no longer hear his deep and booming voice, it is he who has brought us together again here in word and deed for peace. A few years earlier, Rabin told CBN founder Pat Robertson, Israel must remain strong in the face of threats. Does it seem as if Syria, uh, possibly any of the other Arab states, might want to move into some kind of a jihad against Jerusalem, against Israel, or, or is that likely? I was born here in Jerusalem. I fought in the two wars that decided the fate of Jerusalem to become the capital of the state of Israel. And I believe that they'll never be able to fulfill what they try to achieve as long as we'll keep our powder dry, our belief unshaken, and we'll have the patience to do what our heritage, religion, call us to do. Michael Widlansky, author of Battle for Our Minds, says the problems of today closely resemble those from decades ago. Some of the world's leaders don't interpret events correctly. Rabin was genuinely loved in Israel, but even at the time of his death, many Israelis thought that his bold action towards peace was a mistake. In 1993, Rabin and PLO chairman Yasser Arafat's representatives 
signed the Declaration of Principles in the presence of U.S. President Bill Clinton on the White House lawn. The agreement with the Palestine Liberation Organization did several things. First of all, it saved the Palestine Liberation Organization. The second thing is it brought in an era of terror unmatched in Israel's history. And the third thing is it taught Israelis that to build peace required more than just hoping for peace. It meant building security. In 1975, 18 years before Prime Minister Rabin shook Arafat's hand, he told Robertson that while superpowers could play a role in Arab-Israeli peacemaking, they could not replace the parties themselves. Any peace negotiations have to start on the assumption that the purpose of the exercise, the purpose of the negotiations is to make peace and to make peace between whom? Between the Arab countries and Israel. Prime Minister, if the uh, Arab countries are not truly willing to accept peace negotiations with Israel, do you feel that the efforts of the superpowers, either the United States or Russia, will bring anything good towards peace? I think that the, the major powers can create conditions, can create the environment that would lead the Arab countries on one hand and Israel on the other hand to make peace. But the peacemaking is the responsibility of the parties to the conflict. In 1979, Israel signed its first peace treaty with Egypt, and in 1994, its second treaty with Jordan. Both agreements have held for decades, despite ups and downs. The peace agreements that Israel made proved several things. First, Israel wants peace. Secondly, Israel can make peace with real countries when there are real joint interests. But third, Israel should not try to make peace with make-believe organizations of make-believe minorities with make-believe national movements. Former U.S. President Bill Clinton spoke to a Tel Aviv rally marking the 20th anniversary of Rabin's assassination. He urged Israelis to finish Rabin's legacy and give peace a chance. He said Rabin refused to give up his peace dream, even in the face of terror. Whenever there was a terrible incident here and I would call him, he simply repeated what we in the White House came to know as Rabin's law. We will fight terror as if there were no negotiations, but we will negotiate as if there were no terror. But Widlansky says if Rabin were alive today, he'd be rethinking the path to so-called peace that he took. I think he would be very disappointed with his own endeavor and would say Israel has to rely upon itself, upon God, and upon its own better judgment. Still ahead, a Holocaust survivor remembers staying on the run from the Nazis with her mother. See how CBN Israel is taking care of her in very practical ways. Thank you for watching Jerusalem Dayline. We're committed to providing you with unbiased reporting from the Holy Land. Through weekly broadcasts, podcasts, and online media, our vision is to reach millions around the globe with the true story of what's happening in Israel and the Middle East, all from a biblical and prophetic perspective. This is a big vision and is only made possible by the generous support of people like you. Call us toll-free at 1-800-700-7000 or go to cbn.com slash Jerusalem Dateline 
and make a donation that will help spread the light of truth about Israel throughout the world. Daddy? Yeah, buddy? How many nickels are in a dollar? There are 20 nickels Look, in a dollar. How do birds fly? Does milk really make my bones stronger? Yeah, yeah. Daddy, when we die, will we go to heaven? Do you have the answer to life's biggest question? Call the 700 Club. We'll help you find answers to the important questions life brings your way. Watch breaking news, in-depth exclusive stories and programs from health to entertainment. You won't find anywhere else. The CBN News Channel, a perspective you can trust. Enjoy credible news reporting from around the world. Discover inspiring programs and stories of hope all in one place from a Christian perspective. The CBN News Channel, a perspective you can trust. To watch the CBN News Channel, download the app or visit CBNNewsChannel.com. Hello, I'm Dr. David Perlmutter, board-certified neurologist and number one New York Times best-selling author. Wouldn't it be great to boost your energy, eliminate brain fog, and even reverse brain disease? Well, you can, and I'm going to show you how, along with some of the world's most well-respected brain experts, in this DVD, Protect Your Brain. Get Protect Your Brain, a free DVD, only from the Christian Broadcasting Network. Featuring experts on the cutting edge of neuroscience and brain health. No matter how many times you've failed in the past, you really can do this. In Protect Your Brain, you'll discover simple strategies to keep your brain young and healthy. Improve your memory. Discover the gut-brain connection in Protect Your Brain. Get your free copy at CBN.com or call 1-800-700-7000. If you want to improve the quality of your life, get the DVD, Protect Your Brain, and get it today. Yelena is a Holocaust survivor who remembers having to hide from the German SS. Today, she says she has peace in her heart, all thanks to our CBN Israel partners. Yelena is a widow who lives alone in her small apartment in Jerusalem. Her hardships began when she was born in a Ukrainian ghetto during the Holocaust. My mother gave birth to me soon after the Nazis took over our community. We were hunted by the SS from the start. Yelena's mother took her from house to house looking for any non-Jewish person willing to help. They hid under the floorboards as the SS conducted searches. My mother tried to give me her milk, but it was blood. It was a miracle. I didn't cry. If he had been discovered, we would have been shot right there. Yelena and her mother survived the Holocaust. Years later, she got married and moved to Israel. Her husband recently passed away, and she can barely afford her apartment and not much else. So CBN Israel regularly takes her groceries and visits with her. I'm very happy when you come see me and bring me the wonderful food. It brightens my day. We also invite Yelena and other Holocaust survivors to social events we host in their honor. Christians play music for the survivors, listen to their stories, and share a meal with them. Yelena and the others get canes or walkers if they need them. Sometimes I don't feel strong in my legs. This cane helps keep me steady so I don't fall. I'm so grateful you gave it to me. Thanks to CBN Israel, Yelena is able to have a more active and fulfilling life. 
I say from all of us Holocaust survivors, thank you. You give love and support through this food and this events. God bless you and may you have the same peace in your heart that you have given me. Well, that's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can also access CBN content through our CBN News and other CBN apps. And don't forget to sign up for our email blast so you can continue to receive all of our exciting CBN content. I'm Chris Mitchell. For all of us here in the Jerusalem Dateline team, we'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.